see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Hello and welcome, dear listeners, to a new episode of Ready for Close-Up. We are back from our little summer break and I'm here once again with my fellow movie geek, Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, Andy. I'm very good. How are you? I'm also very good. Thanks. Sam, tell us a little bit before we dive into our topic of today. How was your summer? What did you see in terms of movies? Did you see anything I saw a lot of things cinema related, but actually not so many movies. I was traveling for most of uh, July to California and to uh, Canada, the East Coast. So I only saw one movie that we talked about briefly in our last episode, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm. And of course, I saw quite a bit of fare on the flight back and forth last night in Soho was one movie that I saw and was very skeptical about it. And I started diving into The Gilded Age and The Great, finally. Mm. Two series that I've been wanting to watch and that were just available. So I dipped into them and I really want to continue watching them. I really liked both of them a lot. Otherwise, stuff was more cinema related. And I think we'll talk about that later. But how about you? What have you seen and done in terms of cinema? Yeah, to be honest, I think I was also a bit on a summer break. I think I've seen Thor as well. Just very recently, I watched Bullet Train, this action movie with Brad Pitt on board of a bullet train in Japan. And then there's a bunch of killers on the train and Brad Pitt is also a killer and they're all getting involved with each other. And what do you think of either one? Bullet Train and Thor. Did it live up to your expectations? I think Thor, just really quickly, I think it was entertaining. I think Chris Hemsworth really blossomed into this role as dumb himbo who's who's, uh, ironically self-aware of himself and he's not afraid of to make fun of himself so i think he's a very charming lead in that movie i think also the supporting cast was great natalie portman christian bale tessa thompson russell crowe in a very weird funny uh, smaller (laughs) role in a way the, the previous thor ragnarok was was really a fresh breath and this the way the movie was done was really new and it felt really original and I think here they tried to do a little bit more of the same and I don't think it always paid off Um, I think especially a a few jokes didn't quite land I think you can't only go as weird and as strange in a way Taika Waititi the director I think he he overdid it at times where I just didn't think it was that funny anymore but overall I would say it was a good popcorn movie well as I hadn't seen any Thor movies uh, previously I was pretty lost I felt you know I wasn't in on the joke for most of the movie and yeah it, Mm. it felt very disjointed Some bits were meant to be dramatic, some were meant to be comical. Not a big fan of Natalie Portman in these kinds of roles. Christian Bale was great, but he was like in a different movie. So was Russell Crowe. So it felt like bits and pieces that I just didn't quite get what it was supposed to be. But I'm not in on the MCU, so it was difficult for me. I gave it a shot. I must say I'm still not enthused about that type of universe and those types of movies that uh, seem to throw everything Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have mixed feelings, but it was nice to see, you know, uh, a movie with a big audience and to see a cinema in San Francisco, actually. What about Last Night in Soho? I was curious because it's set in a 1960s supposed time traveling movie. So I enjoy that context. 
But then things just get very weird with that story, very confusing, also very annoying at times in terms of the soundscapes and the, the special effects. But it was it was an interesting take on you know time traveling and confusing the audience to reveal something very different. And of course, I enjoyed seeing Diana Reagan, her very last role, which turned out to be a much more important role mm-hmm. than at the beginning, I thought. So at least I enjoyed that aspect. How about you? No, I liked it. Because I, I, it was one of those movies I watched without any expectations, without really knowing what it was about. I knew there was Anya Taylor-Joy in it, who's really hot and fresh from Queen's Gambit and The Northman. So I was curious to see that. And I knew there was also Diana Reagan, a small role in it and I didn't really know what to expect so I really liked this story of that girl who goes from the countryside to London and then in her dreams she travels back to the 60s and she basically observes this story of another young girl played by Anya Taylor-Joy who's then in Soho and gets there in in some sinister circumstances. It's a nice genre mix I would say I think it starts off quite strong and then it gets a little bit creepier weirder as you said a bit more Mm -hmm. into the horror fields maybe even and it's yeah it's some sort of, of of a nice little thriller it's not a huge blockbuster but it also doesn't want to be too artsy so i really appreciate this nice panache of, of different genres and styles and i think that quite a good reconstruction of this feeling of the 1960s soho 1960s london with a with a great score as well many great songs that they reanimated for the film but I'm pretty sure it's not going to win any Oscar. Maybe, Sam. That's now the time to dive into our actual topic of this episode. Good idea. You've been to LA. You've visited a new museum uh, that has been recently opened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spring 21, exactly. Yeah, today we really want to talk about cinema in museums, movies in exhibitions, film directors exhibited in museums, how this can transfer from one media to the other. Yeah, Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit? What did you see? How was it? Would you recommend? What were your thoughts around the Museum of the Academy of Motion Pictures of Arts in LA? Well, it was a surprise find. I didn't know it existed until we were actually um, researching museums in Los Angeles, like on the spot once we had arrived. And they turned out to be very new. That's why I guess no one knew about it. Even in, in Los Angeles, people were not aware of it yet. And it is a an addition to LACMA, the LA Museum of Modern Arts. And they built type of a, looks a little bit like a spaceship from Star Wars, actually, um, an attachment to the uh, Modern Arts Museum. And it's a huge uh, complex that houses several floors for exhibitions and also features like two cinemas where they have like a regular retrospective program, um, visits, festivals, and so on. And there are, of course, as usual, permanent exhibitions and some changing ones. And the permanent one is kind of a very well-focused look at different arts within movie making. So there is, for instance, a bit on Orson Welles. There is a bit on um, Lubetsky, the director of photography, for many uh, Guaron movies, for instance. There was a bit on Thelma Shoemaker, the editor, Bruce Lee, acting slash stunt making and so on. So they they picked these people and then uh, displayed exhibits and and photographs and interviews from from them to kind of show what different arts go into movie making. That was very nicely focused and Mm -hmm. uh, gave you a kind of a good insight into what it means to be a filmmaker or what filmmaking is as a composite art. The other part, of course, was because it's the Museum of the Academy, the Oscar Academy, is that they had a focus on Oscar speeches that were all firsts. So you had everything from 
the first African-American woman to win the screenwriters of the Times of Harvey Milk, it was called, as the first um, LGBTQ screenwriters. There were all kinds of short excerpts from these speeches and they, you know, you'd see the actual Oscars as well for many, for many winners. And then also special exhibits that were tied to uh, winning the Oscars. Apart from that, there was also some temporary exhibits, which I found really exciting. One about backdrops. So they had a thing about all things, matte painting and the back projection and so on. And then they had the actual Mount Rushmore uh, backdrop from North by Northwest. So you could actually walk under it and take pictures and it was mm. explained in much detail. And on the other hand, they'd also people like Pedro Almodovar, who had a exhibition curated himself about his themes in his movies. So you saw excerpts and kind of comments by him about these different aspects. So altogether, very, very intricate building of different things that you could pick from, more cinema history, more recent developments, more people, more crafts oriented. So altogether, really, really a stunning complex of the movie arts. Did you feel when you left it? Did you think, were you like inspired to go and see these movies that you've seen, how they were maybe technically done or, or the, the history of the things? So I think museums is always, I guess, associated also with, with a historical component of maybe also an educational component that you really learn also something or you, you get inspired from it. So what, what, did, what were your feelings thoughts when you left did you were you like okay i have a list now of movies i want to see because this is now the thing or did you just learn something for yourself it was a bit of of everything i think what i appreciated was they had focused so well on particular people and an aspect it wasn't an overload of things which i was kind of afraid of because it's difficult to say, you know, let's do a museum about the Oscars or about uh, movie making in general. So what mm -hmm. do you display and how flexible are you at then changing those um, exhibits over time? And I think that's it was a very good job at selecting interesting particular bits and personalities and aspects. So I would definitely go back because I think there's a lot of, I just checked now what the program is at the moment, a month later, it's already changed quite a bit. So you would actually have a different experience already. I was inspired, especially by the Almodovar exhibit. Once I was out of the museum, I immediately tried to order a box set of as many Almodovar movies as I could. And I found one in France, actually. And I guess I was also had a good insight into what Los Angeles and filmmaking, how these two things actually go together mm -hmm. as a place. You know, because my first time there, I also spent time in Hollywood and I'm in other parts of the city but also kind of understanding how central that is, that you would be able to open up such a big museums and make it such a futuristic, expensive, multi-layered thing. Also gave me a good impression that movie making really is still something you invest in and uh, you can draw people to. So it also made me feel quite positive about uh, cinema and the appreciation of it by by LA, by California, by the, by the United States. And do you think, because I'm, I'm thinking now, for example, in Berlin, there is the Deutsche Cinematik, which also has like temporary exhibitions on certain directors or themes or times, but then they also have a permanent collection. I'm just thinking of the Marlene Dietrich collection they have. So there's like this room where they, they have all the costumes from their movies and the letters. And there's a lot in there, which feels also very museal in a way. So it's also in a way to really a way of, of preserving the movie history that's soon gonna be 100 years old or things like that. 
Do you do you think this was also the case in that museum or was it more really, did it feel more contemporary in that sense? It felt fresher. That's the, the main thing I took away. They had, again, just focused so well on certain stunning objects, but then kept, for instance, explanations and texts and so on to, a, to mm -hmm. quite a minimum. I'm sure there would have been like audio guides and things that you could have taken to, to go deeper into all of the aspects. You were really well led through it. It was entertaining. It was, you were also able to, to uh, see everything if you wanted to within three hours and still you could go back and, and dive deeper. So in that sense, it didn't have that museal feel. It, it felt quite futuristic and well curated. What I said before in many museums where I feel there's such an overload of, of, of material, you, mm -hmm. you just get tired because you want to read a few things, but then you realize how little you have seen in, in a few hours. And there I felt, no, they really thought about what can be an experience where someone enters and they also manage at the end, you know, to go to the gift shop and go to the restaurant and still see a lot of the exhibits on, on display. What was your impression of, of Berlin? Did that feel more museal and, and kind of overloady? It felt more museum-like. It felt more, okay, this is an archival mm -hmm. institution. They're really having archival documents and they, okay, this is the letter that Josef von Sternberg wrote to Marlene Dietrich in 1932, whatever, you know, it felt really historic in a way, which I also think can be quite a good good thing in a way that if you because that way you also preserve the history or you preserve a part of movie making now with a focus on German cinema but I think you can also then put that into context maybe later if you let's say I don't know you have a Werner Fassbinder exhibition and you you mirror this with maybe things from the 30s from the UFA so I think There is also a rich history there, and I think they do a really good job in, in preserving that and also keeping it alive and interesting and, and mirroring it with, with more contemporary themes. It feels more museum-like, probably, but I guess the curation is really well done. They really bring out the good bits from the archives and make <laughs> it palatable in a, in a nice way. The thing is really about curation and selection and also thinking who is the target audience and maybe also provide something for different groups of people entering. So just as an example, at the Academy Museum, there's this Oscar speech exhibit, as I said, with all those videos. So, I mean, you can stay behind and watch all these in, in order if you wanted to. You can also look at the same time at these different objects. So if you mention this letter, then I'm also reminded of the letter that, that you find there from Ingrid Bergman to Cary Grant, the, the year she won the Oscar for Anastasia oh, yes, that I sent one, you yeah. as a picture. So there's also really nice exhibits to go a bit more into detail for, let's say, movie lovers and, and people who know classic cinema. But they also curtailed themselves to say, we are going to exhibit, I'm not sure, maybe it's 20 Oscar statuettes that they have. And all of them were kind of through the lens of what were firsts in Oscar history. So it's not, you know, all the actors mm -hmm. or all the directors really just focusing on the more spectacular speech moments and of course the, the surprise winners and really selecting those well. So I think that that would be a, one criterion, I think, for a good exhibition on, on movies, on, on cinema history. You've recently also been to yeah. a, a exhibition, you told me, that was a bit closer to home in Zurich, about one famous Italian director, Fellini. Can you tell me a little bit how that felt in terms of, because that wasn't a cinema museum per se, 
I think it was an arts museum doing an exhibit on Fellini. Exactly. What was that all about and how did you like it? The setup was basically from the drawing to the, to the screen. So Fellini, in his creative working process, he was doodling and drawing a lot of ideas on sketches and on sketchboards. So whenever he had an idea how a character should look like or a set should look like, he would grab some crayons and, and pens and, and draw it really quickly, really broadly. So his costume designers, the director assistant, the, the scenographer, all these people had an idea on how he wants the, the scene to look like, the character to look like, the costume to look like. So there is really a huge collection of these drawings available, drawings from different movies of throughout his career. And they were exhibited basically as, as the piece of, of art they are, and then always put into context of the movie itself. So there was also always a little trailer showing that you could watch of this said movie. They were also given context on the production, the, the plot, the, the actors that were involved in. There were always also movie posters hanging. So you had really a nice passage through his working process from his first movie, The White Sheik, to his later films. I think the last movie they show is Il Naveva. So there is really a really broad spectrum on, on his working process. And they also have some costumes there. I think from Casanova, they have two costumes there and some other memorabilia. But the focus is really on Fellini as a drawer in a way, as a painter, and then put this into context of his actual art cinema making. So I think it was an interesting exhibition in that sense that it really created this bridge between art and cinema. At the same time I found it a bit tricky to really because sometimes, yeah, it really, it, they, they look like little telephone doodles, right? So it's not that much of... And you have to say also Fellini was, in, his, in the beginning of his career, he was also working as a caricaturist for newspapers. So he has a talent. And, and uh, if you see the, these drawings of how he wants um, Anita Ekberg to look like in La Dolce Vita, you can really see how he exaggerates these drawings and how the boobs are super big and the noses are big of the characters and things. So he's really also, it's fun, as Fellini always is fun. So also these drawings really speak to his character, his personality, the way he approached work, the way he approached his movies. So that I found was super interesting, but in a way I found it difficult to really get the spirit of the movies into the exhibition in a way, because I always think that, but that's my personal taste, in a museum I don't like to watch a screen as bizarre as that sounds but if you have like even if it's just a two three minute trailer of a movie yes of course i watched them but it also somehow feels always very flat because you have people passing through and you just have to have to put on these headsets if you want to hear the sound or not and i think it's always feels a little bit out of focus or not as interesting probably of course if you know the movies you get inspired again you get reminded again of what the movie was about because i think they're also very distinct and maybe or i think we will also have a future episode on Fellini and his crafts and movies for sure but to come back on the topic of the museum I think it was a good exhibition but I think the bridge between the art and the cinema I think was a bit probably a bit weak I'm not sure that the, it was interesting to see the, his thought process his for a movie but it wasn't always as enlightening so so there are some some empty spaces I would say it sounds a little bit like one criterion that we defined before kind of this focus on one aspect of a particular lens through which a director is, is looked at or films are looked at was kind of successful so they, they picked 
this drawing, the, the costumes, and then what it was in the in the finished movie. But then it seems like the actual exhibits, the drawings, the sketches, and then what the effect of that would be like in the movies and what these films would feel like, that wasn't quite as successful. And I think maybe that's that's one thing that happens sometimes when art museums try to do cinema mm-hmm. exhibitions is that they, of course they, they have this focus on let's say okay this is the artistic aspect and we exhibit all that great material but then how do they link to the cinematic experience and i feel a museum that is specific for or maybe made by filmmaking related people maybe they, they can do that a little bit better because often i feel art museums try to their main point is kind of to prove that cinema is also very closely related to art which mm-hmm. makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense because that is kind of their job instead of displaying classic and, and renowned art by 19th century artists or whatever they say okay fellini was also an artist because he did all these sketches and they translated into costumes which were used in his movies I think that is the the interest it seems. Yes, um, but but maybe I'm wrong. I haven't seen the exhibition. No, I think you're quite on the dot there. I think also that for me it's always a bit the issue that yes, you can say you can argue that Fellini is an artist and he was a multi-talented artist, but his art was cinema, right? He was a movie director first and foremost. His work of art is the finished film that you have to see either on a screen, be it at home or in a, in a in a movie theater. I think for me it's always or I think this is always my my personal I don't want to say it's an issue but always my personal detachment in a way where I always feel like oh okay I'm just going through this exhibition but I never really get to see the real art the real piece of art which is the movie you know okay I can see here the slippers and this is the costume and this is the drawing and this is the set stage and this is the invitation to the premiere original letter and all these things but these are just memorabilia in a way that give context to a piece of work that is not in the room. And I think that's always, I find this always a bit a shame in a way, but it's also in the nature of the thing. Otherwise you go to the cinema and you watch the movie and that's the art you, you consume, right? The art you, you watch, but, but then maybe uh, an exhibition or a museum can be a, uh, like a companion piece to that and give deeper context to that and enhance your knowledge of, an, of, an, of a director of, or of a movie even further. And I think mm-hmm. that can be great. But very often, personally, I found I'm always a bit, if I don't know the movie, then I absolutely want to see it because I cannot always put things into perspective or into context. And if I've seen the movie, then I'm a little bit more at ease with, with the exhibits. I don't know if you feel the same. But for me, there's always something missing in, in movie exhibitions, and that's the movie itself. Absolutely. But I guess that, that, that is our particular perspective as well. Well, two questions that came up. The same question that you asked me, did it inspire you to go out and watch? watch these films you haven't seen and secondly how accessible is it to people who have little to no experience with Fellini films will they feel inspired after this exhibition to say oh yes now I want to buy this box set or I want to you know download all these Fellini movies how inspiring was this exhibit then that's a good question I went with two people and one I think was not that much into Fellini and that person was browsing through a bit faster I guess because also as I said a lot of the, the drawings are not that you know they're really quick sketches on on a set piece and things like that and if you're not familiar with Fellini or his biography or his films then I think 
the exhibition could have given more context. Also what, what the films meant. Eight and a half is really just three paintings and one screen in a corner. Or also La Dolce Vita. You know, I think sometimes maybe they didn't have enough exhibits to show, so that's also fine. But I think if you're not so familiar with Fellini as a director and you have never seen any movies of it, you go through this and you're like, okay, there's a he did a bunch of black and white Italian movies in the 50s and 60s and these are his drawings to that. And it feels a bit flat. And I think the other person I went with, they were super into Fellini and they were like, they also had seen other, they knew a lot of the biography of Fellini and they were really into it and they enjoyed it. It probably caters more to people who are already familiar or have seen at least one or two films. And that way it serves as a, as a pleasant reminder. But I think, and this is probably my critique, that it does not do just is enough to the movie making of Fellini and also the context these movies were made, the importance they had. I mean, of course, it's written, okay, La Strada won an Oscar and things like that, but what did it actually mean? And then also for Fellini himself and how did this develop and into things and his bits players and, and, and you know, the relationship with Giulietta Mazzina or Marcella Mastroianni and all these recurring collaborators, Nino Rota, also this, you know, I think it remains very on the surface if you really have no idea about him and if you're more into it it serves more as a reminder to answer your question I came out of it and I was like oh yeah actually I really want to see again La Strada or I want to see again another Fellini movie that I haven't seen so in that sense <laughs> it gave me inspiration to watch again a Fellini movie did I learn tremendously new stuff that I didn't know already before I'm not so sure so again the question of target audience exactly that this museum was also catering maybe to an audience that had seen the, the movies when they came out and were probably you know, <laughs> uh, also normally going to this arts museum and maybe expected people to be kind of familiar with a lot of the movies and maybe didn't think of this task or maybe that just wasn't among their goals, you know, to inspire people necessarily to go out and, and see all the Fellini movies, as opposed to the Oscar Museum, which I felt was a bit more, not lowbrow, but also had this fun, entertaining aspect, which made, I think, a lot of the aspects enjoyable without not having the chance for people who want to go deeper to, to spend more time and, and to go deeper. So again, this, this idea, you know, you could go see the original E.T. figure or R2-D2 from the Star Wars movie. They were mm -hmm. also in one exhibition hall. So I'm sure kids enjoyed that tremendously, but I wouldn't expect kids to enjoy some costume sketches from Fellini movies. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's always the, the audience in mind. Yeah, the target audience you want to you wanna cater to in, in that exhibition. So if you want to see a good Fellini exhibition, go to, you know, Cinecitta. Uh, last summer I had the chance to be on the Cinecitta a lot and actually there is a pavilion dedicated to exactly that, what you said, Fellini and his collaborators. And uh, you'd have to spend probably an entire afternoon just going to probably many of the original props and, and costumes and exhibits mm -hmm. from, from Fellini. So I think Italy has done a great job at dedicated exhibitions to its directors and to its national cinema treasures yeah and, and speaking of italy i mean we we spoke already about the deutsche kinematik in berlin or also now the academy of arts museum in la but in italy there's also the cinema museum in turin which <laughs> is in a beautiful beautiful building and i know that you will be visiting very soon I think yes. currently they have an exhibition on Dario Argento. I know you're also a big fan of this. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just have a few thoughts around the, the museum in Turin as well. Is it worth a visit? Do they have a permanent collection or do they really 
to strong thematical focuses. Well, I, it's it's highly recommended. I think it, it must be among the best cinema museums in the world because basically the place where it's at is like the Eiffel Tower of Torino. So the most significant building, the Mole Antoniella, mm. this tower, you know, that you see on any postcard or any photograph of Torino is the actual uh, Museo Nazionale del Cinema and is a very dedicated, big museum that covers everything from cinema history. So there is a great exhibit on all the different cameras that were there before movies were made in the late 1900s. So see all the techniques that were used to, to somehow give the illusion of animated pictures. There is that, so it's very technological, but then you, you enter this fantastic hall where they have uh, changing exhibitions and uh, huge displays of monumental film sets, for instance because they have all the space. You can also go up to the tower and overlook the city, of course, which is kind of like a separate sensational thing to do. And then they've built this ram that kind of winds up all the way inside the tower, inside the mole. And there they have the changing exhibitions. Last time I was there, they had one on the faces of Italian cinema. So a lot of portraits of actors and actresses of Italy that I partly knew, partly discovered. And at the moment, as you said, they do one on Dario Argento. And it's the first such big one on this director who was very famous or infamous for his horror movies and, and gory crime thrillers in the 70s and 80s. So it's going to be a, a dedicated one, including a retrospective at some of the cinemas in Torino. So I think this really encapsulates all the great things about what a, what a good cinema museum should be. It's the location, it's the variety, it's the changing exhibitions, mm -hmm. it's the dedication. Mm -hmm. And it's just the, the, the spectacle, you know, that you're actually in, in a place that is so hugely cinematic and that, that they've used so well to really also provide something that, I, again, I'm sure even people who are not interested at all in the exhibits themselves, who know nothing about Argento, they will have had a fantastic time in that building, in, in all the things that you can see there. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to it immensely. And it's one that I go back to regularly. And Torino has kind of become... One of my favorite cities also for its other museums, be it automobiles or uh, the Egyptian Museum, which is world class, I think. So the Museum of Cinema is really, I would say, the, the greatest one. H have you been? Have you have you seen it? I've been a couple of years ago, exactly. And I, I would totally agree with you. I think you, I'm not sure if you're endorsed by Torino Tourism or whatever, but you <laughs> really made a beautiful... <laughs> speech on this museum it's true i think the location is really stunning it has this huge huge hall as you said where basically the whole museum is located and the exhibition goes all around up to the top and what i also really really enjoyed was this i think it's also permanent this exhibition of huge movie posters from like mm -hmm. the 40s 50s up to the 80s i think which are painted right hand mm -hmm. painted i think yeah they're like original italian hand painted posters exactly and they have this really beautiful visconti i don't know five meters times three posters are really really amazing in a huge hall as well and you walk through and it's really you go up and down to see you barely see all the poster because they're so huge and big this was also really impressive i, th I thought so i think that's definitely worth a trip worth a 
visit. Yeah, it's good. The, the, the exhibition when I was there, I think was was on emotions. So it was a broader theme and it was more about how do you convey emotions on, on screen, which was kind of an interesting topic. And it, it was also quite an interactive passage to, to do through the, the exhibition. But I would say I, I was more hoping for some sort <laughs> of retrospective on something. So I think while, while I was there, I, I think I probably would have enjoyed a retrospective on an actor or a director or a period in time a bit more. But they, as you said, they do really great, great stuff. Could only recommend going there, absolutely. I think, you know, they do a good job also at, again, catering to very different audiences. And I felt the ones on, like you said, emotion. I saw one on, on film music, which I, of course, tremendously enjoyed. But then also the ones about the actors and the actresses is very accessible to many people, you know, just recognizing faces and saying, ah, oh, this is anyone from Ali Davalli to the newest starlet in mm -hmm. Italy. And they tried to cover it all also in, in like beautiful photographs. It, there's so many access points for people to enjoy aspects of, of cinema. And I think that's what, what a good cinema museum should do. And I think one, one question that I wanted to ask you or to discuss maybe at the, at the end of this is also to what extent have uh, cinema exhibitions become a, an established thing? And does that mean that now cinema is so revered that it's, it's become a thing for classic museums like the one in Zurich? Is it a sign that uh, <laughs> cinema has finally arrived in the realm of the high arts? where it's struggled its way up for the past over a hundred years? Is it a sign that cinema is becoming stuffy? So what, what did you feel with this talk and with these uh, examples? As well, what you just said you, to your last point, that it, it really caters to a wider audience and it's for everyone. There's something in for everyone. I think that's also what cinema is about. Everyone can go to the cinema. Everyone can enjoy a movie. Everyone watches movies. Everyone has an opinion on movies. So in that sense, it's really beautifully democratic form of entertainment and I think that's what it was and I think still is and still hopefully will be for a long time so it's really a very democratic wider form of entertainment and of course there are artists in that industry I would say that really make great things or used to make great things and I think now after 100 years plus of cinematic work and history there are, we can also see now that there are selected artists, directors, producers, filmmakers, composers that are really picked up and put into museums because the value of their art or what they've done has been recognized and is now also analyzed or put on a pedestal from a different point of view that maybe in the 50s when Fellini was beginning to do movies he was just about an industrious creative spirit and then now we can analyze this from the vantage point of of the future and really say okay this is where it started and we can see it through all of his work and his collaboration started there with Nino Rota and it went on for another 20 years I don't know I'm just making things up but I think this preservative analytical historical view on, on cinema, I think will make it more and more into museums. And I think that's great. It doesn't mean, though, that cinema is a thing for the museum only. <laughs> I think, as I said in a discussion before, I really think the piece of art all these collaborators produce is really the movie itself. And you have to see it in front of a silver screen or a, or a TV screen. So mm -hmm. 
that's not something you can put that easily into a museum. I agree a lot with what you say. And I also think it's, it's, it's very helpful to have these kinds of chances to see such exhibitions and for you know younger people also to have an access to classic cinema, not just at some retrospective theater that would probably hardly ever go to or maybe mm -hmm. see things on, on television, which becomes also kind of a, a rare thing. But actually, you know, it's, a, it's an access point for, for people who have an idea of filmmaking. There's a lot of knowledge around these days. It's much more accessible than before. But also to see, well, who was Fellini and who was Argento? Those are not names that I would think many people, I mean, they've heard about them, but I wouldn't readily, readily know a lot of things and maybe also not understand the artistry behind it. So I think that definitely is a great thing and a great companion piece to movie making and also maybe to understand once you watch that new movie at a theater, what, what goes into it and how this was shaped by role models. I'm also always astonished to see how many things are based again on things that were there before. We talked about Thor or Last Night in Zoa at the very beginning. I think, of course, they also draw very widely from references to, to other movies and other universes and other role mm -hmm. models. So I think museums can be a great help to understand that. I think we've come somehow to a nice close of this discussion. As always, it was great fun. Thank you so much, Sam. Well, thank you, Andy, for covering this topic with me. Yeah, let us know what you think of this episode. You can follow us on Instagram, of course. Ready for close-up is our page. And thank you for listening and see you next time. And we are again ready for close-up. Thank you.